What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The episode you're about to hear was initially released as a Patreon exclusive. These episodes are typically shorter than the ones you're used to hearing, but we think they're still interesting, and we hope you'll agree. Hello and welcome to Something's Not Right. I'm Olivia. And I'm Tashana. Here we are for Patreon episode 30. Oh God, that's nuts. We've been to, well, we're almost at three years on this podcast too. Also nuts. Yeah, we have been doing this for a minute. Also, just before I get into all this, I want to encourage everyone to stay tuned at the end of the episode for information on how y'all can help us get to crime con this summer we'll have some details on that at the end of the show so with valentine's day smack in the middle february is of course the month for love but by now the candies are eaten the flowers are wilted and the cards are all forgotten in a junk drawer next to batteries rubber bands and all those keys that unlock god knows what my heart they unlock my heart that's what they're for i've been wondering <laughs> so don't just give them out willy-nilly i'm just handing them out <laughs> if all the sappiness of valentine's day has given you a cavity here's three stories of love gone sideways in tennessee to act as a metaphorical filling <laughs> You can tell a journalist wrote this. Uh-huh. Yep. First, we go to Shelbyville, a town of 20,000 people and the county seat of Bedford County, about 50 miles southeast of Nashville. It's best known for its wildly successful high school girls basketball team and the annual Tennessee Walking Horse National Celebration and the FBI and Agriculture Department investigations thereof. That's of the walking horse thing, not the high school basketball team, (laughs) P.S. In July 2009, Bedford County Sheriff's Department Corporal Kevin Roddy responded to a call on Pass Road just west of Shelbyville proper along Sinking Creek in the unincorporated community of Wheel. You got that? It's Wheel, W-H-E-E-L. Just like on your car. On the bus. Go round. That's right. He found 40-year-old James Earl Taylor and his 44-year-old girlfriend, Mary S. Childer, arguing. Uh Uh-oh. 
According to Roddy's report, reprinted in the Shelbyville Times-Gazette, the pair became, quote, involved in a verbal altercation with each other, quote, at which time Cheetos potato chips were used in the assault. <laughs> Y'all, once again, wish you could see Tashana's face. Oh, God. Now, no offense to Corporal Roddy, but Cheetos are corn, not potato-based. In any case, the corporal, a dutiful public servant, did a full investigation. He wrote that there was, quote, evidence of the assault at the home, no doubt because Taylor and Childer had orange-stained fingers. He further said there were no physical marks on either person, so the Cheetos didn't do much damage. Both Taylor and Childer were charged with domestic assault and released on bond. And I just, before I move on to our next story, I want to say I feel like it's okay for us to laugh about this one because there wasn't any violence, physical violence involved. I know the incident was written up as a domestic assault, but the truth is, is that it was an argument that was handled pretty hilariously, which is infinitely better than people hurting each other. Um, I'm glad they resorted to Cheetos and not, you know, fists. Yeah, the only crime that was committed was a waste of Cheetos. That's right. Damn. I could have been eating those. <laughs> Moving on. At the beginning of Anna Karenina, Leo Tolstoy wrote, All happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. The principle also applies to unsuccessful romances and bank robberies. On June 21st, 2016, Memphis police responded to a robbery call at a First South Financial Credit Union branch. A teller at the bank told police a man in a white shirt, white pants, and multicolored bandana demanded money. She handed it over, but smartly, given his outfit, slipped a red dye pack in the bag. The dye pack exploded in the man's pockets, leaving his formerly white pants covered in red paint. Pretty sneaky, sis. That's right. According to the commercial appeal, the man jumped on the back of a scooter driven by a woman and headed to a nearby apartment complex where they hit a car, sending them tumbling to the pavement. <laughs> nice. That's a bold move to wear all white while riding on the back of a scooter. Can we just right. acknowledge that? For sure. <laughs> Undeterred, they got back onto the scooter and continued their escape. MPD was unable to track them down, but two days later, officers were called to Equality Inn with a complaint about a couple arguing loudly. Officers arrived and found 40-year-old Andrea Eubanks outside of room 170, and nearby, a backpack full of red-stained money. Eubanks told police that the backpack belonged to her friend Tony, who had fled before police arrived. No word on whether or not he was a tiger. She also pointed to a nearby garbage can where, lo and behold, there was a pair of red-stained white pants. She claimed she was at the credit union during the robbery, but didn't know what Tony was doing there, but that she did know that the money in the backpack came from the robbery. I guess she was saying she found out after the fact. I don't know. I think she was driving the scooter. 
It took six months, but eventually Tony was arrested as well. In January 2017, U.S. Marshals found Tony Allen Barnes in Seattle and took him into custody without incident. Damn. And finally, a local Nashville legend. In Nashville City Cemetery, there's an unusual grave marker, a giant piece of unhewn stone topped by a cast iron lantern holder. The lantern has long since disappeared. A plaque on the stone says it's the burial place of Anne Rollins Sanders, who died when she was 21 in 1836. Anne's obituary reads, On the night of 30th March, 12 o'clock, a soul of bliss winged its way to mansions on high. Too pure longer to remain here below, to return to its maker after a sojourn among us, 21 winters. By redeeming grace was made as pure as twas first given. Mrs. Ann Sanders, consort of Mr. Charles H. Sanders, was a woman whose piety made her celestial among mortals. She was representative of the church. Her lovely expression was a magnet to the lukewarm and the skeptic. In her the church have lost its brightest ornament, the poor their kindest friend, Society, it's strongest. Quite an obituary. Sounds like a hell of a woman. Yeah. Mansions on high. So let's make a note here that there was no cause of death given, but legend has it that Anne died by suicide, which wouldn't have been mentioned in the obit in any case, but especially not in 1836. Right. In any event, the legend says that Anne and Charles, her husband of four years, had gotten into an argument earlier that night, and Anne, distraught, went to the bluffs overlooking the Cumberland and leapt to her death. So maybe the suicide story came from the opening of her obituary, with Anne's soul winging its way to mansions on high. I don't know. I mean, somebody could have, I guess, made it up and pulled the conclusion from that. Who knows? But the legend says that Charles had to run after his wife and eventually found her body in the water below. Allegedly, he ordered a chunk of rock cut from the cliff to be used as her gravestone. Knowing his young wife was afraid of the dark, he also placed the lantern there. So that's kind of a, like, romantic story. I don't want to say suicide is romantic, but, you know, the, the stuff following with the husband well for sure it also makes me think of have you ever heard the dolly parton song genie's afraid of the dark i don't know that one she recorded a version with porter wagner and then i feel like she re-recorded it solo it's very sad because <laughs> it's about a daughter and how she was always afraid of the dark and then she dies oh bummer and it's like a young child Oh, that's sad. And it talks about, like, how she wants to be buried with, like, a candle or a lantern. Something like that. Anyway, when you first started saying the thing about all that, just made me think of that song. Yeah. It's a great song, but very sad. Sounds like it. Yeah. The plot itself was owned by a man named Edward Steele, likely her brother-in-law. 
The tale of the lovelorn woman leaping into the Cumberland was prominent enough by 1902 that the sexton of the cemetery was asked about it and he claimed Anne isn't even buried under that rock and that instead Steele's wife Lucy lies beneath. A more modern foot marker nearby bears her name, noting, and that's Lucy's name, noting that she died in 1847 and says the rock was placed by her husband. Some sources give Lucy's name as Marion, but official records have her as Lucy. So if anybody goes looking it up, that's the deal there. The old sexton, and for what it's worth, the official city cemetery records say Anne is in an ornamented but unmarked box nearby. Edward Steele was on the board of commissioners in charge of the construction of the Tennessee State Capitol. And some historians say he simply picked a piece of rock from a quarry that was being used for limestone for the Capitol's construction to use as his wife's marker. The timing checks out because construction began on the Capitol building in 1845, two years before Lucy's death. So the truth may not be as interesting as the legend, but even if the steel story is true, where his wife Lucy is buried there, It still raises questions as to why another woman's name is on that rock. Because Anne's name was on there. So that's weird. Now, as for the story about Anne, I could totally see people, you know, back in the day, you don't have TV, you don't have as much to do. Maybe you stroll through the cemetery on a Saturday afternoon. So maybe somebody did make up that story. You see this rock there in the lantern, and so you just make up a story to go along with it. Some people are good storytellers like that. Sounds like a story I would make up, actually. Yeah, it's a good one. Maybe it's true. All right. That's all I got of these weird, creepy, or disturbing, or whatever stories of love. What What would you call this? Um, Love gone wrong. Some of them. I mean, some of it, I don't know. Did any love really go wrong, though? Maybe with the Cheetos, but... That's that's snack food's gone wrong, for sure. That's snack food abuse. That's right. Won't stand for it. I'm waiting for the candidate to come out staunchly opposed to snack abuse. That's how I'm making my decision. (laughs) You might as well. That's it for this time. Thank you, as always, to our patrons, Justin from Mysterious Circumstances, Audrey Arndt, Hope Brazel, Patton Fuquay, Allison Klima, Astrid Nyer, Kathy Lind, Janet Logan, and Terry Quillen. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.